Hello, Ryan. Um, I would like to first thank you so much for being part of our guest expert interview series through our class. Welcome. Thank you, and my pleasure. Always happy to talk to uh, JHU Museum Studies Program. And I'd like to formally introduce you to the class, although um, I'm sure, sure everyone's already read your bio. And so among mm -hmm. many other jobs that you have, you are um, a digital engagement coordinator at the Royal Ontario Museum. Mm -hmm. And I see that you've been there for over 11 years. Yes, um, surprisingly, time flies. Um, but yeah, when I was doing um, my master's at, at Johns Hopkins, uh, I was actually in the library and archives. Um, so I've been I've been kind of moving around a little bit over the years at the ROM, and um, it's been a really great journey. Um, I've learned quite a bit from all of the different places I've worked uh, at that museum, and and it's really the program that got me started in in what I do today. Um, so it's been it's been a really great, lots of fun, and, and I've learned quite a bit over the years. So. It, it seems like it's an amazing journey, uh, just with all the different, um, in the different capacities you've mm -hmm. been in, you know, a little bit of everything, yeah, it seems like. Yeah, my my first job, I sold audio guides, which was, <laughs> which was interesting. <laughs> um, you know, back when, back when, you know, you could still get a physical audio guide in your hand, and it was really special. This was uh, 2006, um, mm -hmm. and... Uh, you know, you could actually get a little little players before smartphones, um, and uh, everyone was wowed because it was an MP3 player. It wasn't, you know, a cassette <laughs> tape or you know those, those right. big ones. Um, so everyone was blown away by these little things in their hands. But um, you know, since then I went on to manage the front of house. So I managed all the admission staff, and then you know, while I was doing that, I worked uh, volunteered my days off in the library and archives at the museum, and. Uh, um, was lucky enough to get a full-time job there doing circulations and interlibrary loans and, and, and helping curators with research. And at that time, the library was, was really old school. Um, all of, they used all paper-based systems except for their catalog. Um, oh. And so I was able to basically bring them into the digital age and, and just really, you know, nothing crazy, but just, you know, start using some simple spreadsheets and things like that that increased efficiencies and, and, and revenue and things like that. So it was lots of fun. But while I was doing that, I got into JHU. So then my eyes were completely opened by Dana and by all the professors and, and my uh, my fellow students to the world of, you know, technology and museums. Um, and that was 2010 to 2011. So that was right when you know, everyone was starting to get into apps and, you know, uh, mobile websites didn't really exist at that point and, and things like that. So it was a really exciting time. And and social media, we can't forget about social, but, um, you know, no one was really doing all that much beyond blogging and, and maybe a few Facebook pages here and there and, and, and YouTube channels. So um, it was a really, really fun time to get into it. Yeah, it sounds like it. And you're just right there to evolve with everything. Right. Yeah, it's constantly yeah. evolving. It's almost <laughs> evolving too quickly. Um, you know, it keeps you on your toes for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see that with um, just uh, a few of the things that I've I've read from your, uh, you know, some of the published articles that are out there that um, I'd like to 
ask you about and touch on. Mm. And we have a few students in the class that have read and have contributed some questions as well. Um, and but before all of that, I want to congratulate you on your Muse Awards um, oh, yeah. as well. And it's thank very, imp very, very impressive. Um, oh, thank you. How, yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, how does it feel? Like, I mean, you know, you you put a lot of work <laughs> into this, and then you're recognized for for that. And there's so much competition. Yeah, yeah. There's such great competition. Um, I mean. You know, we, uh, in 2015, we won, um, you know, a bronze, I think it was a bronze. Yeah. And then, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, last year, this year we won, we won an honorable mention. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's so many great projects out there. There's so many people that are pushing the boundaries and, um, you know, uh, there's really too many to, to list, but the, the really great thing about the Muse Awards is, um, you know, the people that, that look at the applications that, you know, that sit on the committees that hand out the awards are your peers. Um, you know, there are right. people that are working in the industry, there are, you know, people that are, are knowledgeable about what's happening and, and, you know, what's really cutting edge. And, and so it's, it's really great to be recognized, but it's, it's even more um, important to me because these are my peers that are saying, Hey, yeah, that's a really, uh, a really well done uh, program that, that needs to, needs to be recognized. So, um, you know, it's it's very humbling, um, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, and uh, you know, I've I've sat on that jury and and seen the amazing projects that you know just miss the cut that don't get an award. So, you know, for me to actually and and our team to actually be recognized, it's 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 quite an honor. Um, and uh, and yeah, we you know we did um, we have this really fun event. That started in 2012 and uh, called Friday Night Live, and and when it started in 2012, it it really was communicated and marketed through social only. We had very little budget um, to do any traditional marketing, and we we built a huge community around that event. And we almost don't even really have to market it anymore. We don't have to share it on social because people start asking us about it. Um, it's so wonderful. This, mm -hmm. this, yeah, it's a, it's incredible. Um, uh, it's been running for you know five five and a half years now um and still going strong we welcome about sixty thousand visitors uh to this event uh over a fiscal year we run it in two seasons one in the fall and one in the spring um you know it's 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 huge for the museum it's a you know, yeah that's a, incredible um you know lots of uh the demographic is is the one that everyone's trying to hit it's, you know you know millennials and, and young professionals right. Um, you know, they're ultra social savvy. They're, you know, they're, they're tweeting, they're on Instagram, they're doing stories like crazy this year, um, trying to keep up with that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, one, one of the, the category that we won in digital communities was not just about, you know, running a good campaign. It was about having an actual community that you interact with. Um, exactly. So, and yeah, and so that's, that's one that I'm, I'm really proud of because we really took that event from, um, you know, it, it wouldn't survive if it wasn't for social. And then the other area that I'm really interested in is, is user-generated content and how mm -hmm. we connect the digital experience with the physical experience in our museums. Um, and so we had a Chihuly exhibit uh, last summer, and we really integrated, um, uh, uh, you know, we had prompts for people to stand here and take a photo and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So we really we we under
understood that the show was going to be really uh, photogenic, um, and we made sure that we made it very clear to our, our visitors that they could take photos and that they were also encouraged to share those photos. And we gathered uh, over 18,000 photos for that exhibition. Um, uh, and that was the, the cherry process. pick? Was that the cherry pick? No, is that um, like, oh, is yeah. that different? Yep, that, we started doing that in 2012 with FNL, and then we've since moved on to another platform called Crowder. Oh, oh um, okay. Yeah, but same same idea. And so it's just a system that aggregates all of that user-generated content, and then we display it on our website, and we use it in our other campaigns. Um, uh, we, we do features of people. We share their photography. Um, people really love that when we acknowledge the content that they share with us. Um, and for me, I think that's really important. I think it's sort of, you know, a lot of museums are starting to do that now, but I think it's a really untapped area of, of uh, digital and museums is, is not forcing people into, an ex into a digital experience, but recognizing what they already do and trying to leverage that in a way that benefits you and your community. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's really, really important going forward is to um, is, is to recognize that and, and find ways to, to engage people that, in that way. Yeah, I've noticed that, um, and specifically, like on your Instagram account, I've seen that with sharing what other visitors have taken photographs mm. of, and um, you know, I, I think that's a wonderful use of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, we we're really we're really aware of. Um, of what people are doing in our space mm -hmm. and you know we're at a point in the history of museums where we can't keep you know assuming that we know best and that we can i'm sorry about that yeah I'm still there for sorry about that i'm still there that's good that's okay um okay. and and so so what i was just saying is that i think we're at a point in the history of museums where we we need to stop lecturing people and we need to really recognize the value that they can add to to the museum going experience and, and to the dialogue around museums. And so we make a point of featuring user generated content regularly on our accounts um, because it acknowledges their presence within the building, it acknowledges their, their thoughts and their experience. And, um, you know, and, and people, um, people love to see that. They love to see that we're actually paying attention and, and actually engaging them in a dialogue rather than just shooting marketing messages at them, um, you know, constantly. And that's the absolutely. real benefit of social, right? Um, right, right, dialogue. absolutely. Yeah. Because it's, anyone... it's for them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, like, you know, anyone can, you know, you, you, marketing is always going to do their ads, you know, and that's what marketing does. And social shouldn't be an extension of that. It should be its own entity. Within that overarching, of course, you're going to stay on message with in line with everything that the museum's doing and with your your mission and your vision and things like that. But you need to be able to have license to engage people in a dialogue and and interact with your community because um, that's the real benefit of social. Yeah, I, I loved your um, statement that you made in one of the articles about museums have, that have been treating social media just as a billboard. And they're missing out, you know, by yeah. not going further than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's completely, yeah, it's 
I don't know, it's one of the things that really gets me when you, you know, you go to a museum and maybe you start following their accounts or something ahead of your visit and, you know, you're in the museum and you're sharing and, and, you know, there's no interactivity and you can tell from their, their accounts that they're just, you know, they're sharing their events and their programs and that's fine. You know, that has to be done and we do it too. Um, but, you know, that's, that's not the stuff that really, you know, that really makes your social um, presence engaging or exciting. You know, that's just, that's the easy, that's the low hanging fruit. Oh, we have this event. Let's just share that, you know, right. um, but when you actually really work at it and work to have a dialogue with your, with your community, that's when it can be really special. Um, I, I did on that note, I did notice that the, um, the museum computer network uh, that you are the uh, mm -hmm. digital content and community manager that you guys are having a conference coming up soon. That's right. Um, and it's um, this year's emphasis is on transparency, individual action, and institutional bravery, which sounds like perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're really pushing. Yeah, we're really pushing um, with MCN. MCN's done a great job over the last years of really being relevant with their conference themes, mm -hmm. um, and it's been interesting to see. Um, you know, and Dana's been a, was a board member uh, for MCN and been involved with them for longer than I have. But um, you know, it's been really interesting to see uh, an organization that's been around since the 1960s. Um, you know, we're, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year, which is crazy for right. <laughs> uh, an institution called the Museum Computer Network. Um, but they got their start in, in really sort of um, you know. Uh, uh, putting collections online, you know, uh, database management and digital asset management and, and that sort of things and mm -hmm. systems and, and the really hard, really geeky techie stuff, um, you know, more IT than public facing, uh, you know, user experience, social media, that sort of thing. And it's really over the last maybe, uh, I'd say, you know, seven to five years really made that shift towards, uh, you know, that public facing side and, and making sure that technology isn't the focus, it's the experience that we're providing and technology is just the means to, to those ends. Um, and the last year, it was really about, um, you know, creating agency within your organization and within your community um, and, and making sure that you were leveraging all voices um, in, in the conversation around museums and what we were doing. So it's really great to see that progression away from it's almost it's still a technology conference, but it's almost changed to almost not I don't want to go as far as say social justice, but it's headed in that direction where it's right. how can we use this amazing tool at our disposal to make museums relevant again, to make them to, to you know bring them into conversations where typically museums have shied away from. Um, mm -hmm. You know, especially in the United States, but also in Canada, we have a lot of conversations uh, around our indigenous communities that are some tough conversations, but um, you know that that need to be need to be you know need to be talked about. So, um, I'm, you know, it's an exciting time to be uh, engaged with MCN and also with the general um, music tech community, and and I'm excited to see where where it progresses over the next few years. Yes, definitely. It, I, I believe it, it is a safe space for that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, 
um, it makes yeah, perfect they're, they're, sense for sure. Yeah, yeah, because um, I think you also mentioned in another article that it's not the same as, um, and for, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's different than a, a school space in that sense. It's, yeah. it's you're adding to mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, yeah, it's sneaky education, right? It's, you know, right. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's obviously that you know education is at the heart of what museums do, but you know it needs to be more of a conversation than a lecture. I'm really yeah. going to harp on that <laughs> quite a bit. But, I mean, you know, we have these amazing spaces that, you know, people walk into and are, are in awe, you know, and, and, and we, we need to be able to have those, have conversations in those spaces and open up their minds a little bit rather than, you know, continuing as an experience that they get day in, day out at their schools. So, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I find that to be actually one of the reasons, you know, sometimes people ask what, you know, I'm studying and I'll tell them and you kind of see this look come across their face and... Mm -hmm. Oh, the look, oh, the look, yeah. You know, the look like, oh, really, that's kind of boring. You know, it's that kind of thing. And I think, oh, darn, they've had the wrong experience, you know. Yeah. They've well, had... Because, in, in... Yeah. I'm just going to say, the, you know, everyone wants, everyone thinks that... Uh, everyone's a curator, right? Everyone's right. Uh, hands-on with the collection and everyone's, you know, studying a certain species or, you know, a, a culture or something. And, and, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's an amazing part of the museum. But there's also all these other areas that are, I would argue, just as important as curating the collection. Um, you know, so it's, I, I know that look. I know exactly that, that, <laughs> that you're talking about. Um, whenever I tell people where I work, they're like, oh, cool. And then I tell them what they're doing. They're like, oh, yeah. Web? <laughs> <Social>? Oh. <laughs> yeah, not that it can be a very exciting and, you know, uh, living, you know, it, transformational space, mm -hmm. right, compared to it just being a place where it's a storehouse. Right. Exactly. Dusty, it never changes. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and I'm so happy that you brought up the word awe because you did. Um, it, it's a topic I wanted to get to, and you were mentioning mm -hmm. in one of the articles about uh, that uh, study that the University of Pennsylvania did on analyzing 500,000 stories online to see what was shared and um, mm -hmm. that the emotional, um, you know, like. The emotions of anger and anxiety and awe were the ones that were most shared um, yeah. among social platforms. Um, so we do have a, a classmate that wanted to know if you could expand a little on that. I know the statistics were there um, just in, you know, the idea that, yeah, sometimes we have to touch upon things that are maybe controversial or things that are, um, you know, that want to spark emotions in people and what the uh, what the most effective I guess emotional response is to, to tap into is what their question was right um, yeah so uh, building emotion into your digital content is not something that uh, you know museums are traditionally known for but we play in a space that's full of content there's so many things to click on and the reality that we need to understand is that people online spend 15 seconds or less on a page on average right so you you have very little time 
to grab someone's attention and keep them glued to your content. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're combating with, you know, we're, we're fighting against uh, all the clickbait stuff, all the fake news, you know, all the, all the ads, which are just taking over everyone's news feeds. Um, you know, so if we're, and also we're very underfunded and under-resourced as museums as a whole, um, you know, we, we compete with the private sector on social every day. Our content does. Whether, you know, our senior management wants to ignore that fact or not and continue to under-resource our areas is, is another conversation. But <laughs> the content that we build goes to battle with the content from Coca-Cola and Nike and CNN and Fox News and all of those big media and, and private sector companies that are putting millions of dollars behind their presence. So we need to be doing whatever we can to make sure that our content is is high impact, that it has high value to people, so they'll not only engage with it, but they'll also share it. And that's very hard. You think about how much stuff that you maybe share on a daily or a weekly basis. It's not that much compared to how much you consume. So, you know, if you're going to read, I don't know, 200 or 300 posts a week and you're going to share maybe 10 of them, you know, we want to make sure that museums are within that 10. So we need to be doing whatever we can to make sure that our content resonates with people. And the best way to do that is to build emotion into your content, to write titles for your blog posts that have emotion, that are attention grabbing, that people want to click on so that they go to your, your long form content, maybe your curatorial content. Um, so that content strategy the, from the epic content um, piece that I wrote, um, we've been doing that since 2015, and it's really sort of changed how we all think about the content that we put online. And like I said earlier, we still have to do the programming and exhibition stuff, but this, the secondary stuff that we do, um, you know, we did a blog post uh, in 2016 uh, about Halloween costume ideas. No, <laughs> um, oh, how and neat. I was talk- and, yeah, and I was talking to my, my boss today, and it was, you know, like we found, we have this big case full of pewter, um, pewter objects, pewter plates, mm-hmm. and teacups, and things like that. And, and we, you know, took a picture of that and we said, how about going as the entire cast of Beauty and the Beast? And so, <laughs> you know, just making it a little joke. Some people get it, some people don't. But it was that kind of, you know, that kind of post. And a year and a half, a year later, it's one of our highest um, viewed blog posts of all time. That's amazing uh, because it because it has a little bit of humor built in there, right? Exactly. And then some of our some of our other blog posts, um, which I also talk about in, in that post, um, are very practical. So um, in our area, there's a lot of insect migration, there's a lot of bird migration. Um, so we have some of our curators that when that happens at the certain times of year, they'll do a blog post about it and explain what's going on. And you may see more of these types of bugs around. And it's okay. Right, like the ladybugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Ladybug post is one of our highest. I think it's like in our top three all-time blog posts. So, <laughs> um, you know, so so that whole content strategy is about not posting things just to post things. It's about making sure that we're we're building the content um, so that it has the best chance to survive um, online, uh, you know, in battle with all of the other, uh, you know, content that, that has a lot of money behind it from the private sector and, and from media companies. Um, and, you know, that's research that's readily available on the internet that you can look 
job. There's tons of studies from you know Pew and and Forrester and um, and, uh, and Nielsen, which you know they've had a long history of looking at. Uh, TV ratings and things like that, but then now they're starting to get into to social media and, and web analytics and doing studies on those. So mm-hmm. there's lots of data around that's freely available that you can look at to inform your decision making online. And that's the great thing about working online is there's all, there's all this data you don't need to guess. You can really just do your research, come up with a strategy, test it out for a little while, and then look at your own analytics and see what happens, and then adjust from there. And that's sort of the way that we've been operating for the last few years, and it's, I think it's, um, I think it's been wonders for for our online presence. And you know, there's obviously areas that we could be better in, and like everyone else, you know, it's a, you know, things are always changing, so you, you need to be continually updating. But um, you know, I think it gives us a good base to to build on, and um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, it's yeah, it's 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 pretty eye opening when you share those numbers with people, and and you talk about you know, anxiety and awe and, and anger. And when, as soon as you say anger, everyone's like, no, 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 we don't want to do that. We don't want to anger people. <laughs> right? But right. what you make them understand is that, no, you're not talking, you're not trying to make people mad. You're tapping into a, something that they're already mad about. And then exactly. And it back to your, back to your collection or, or your research or something. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just the way, all, all the way you frame it. Um, and, you know, if we, if we're not going to be smart about the content that we produce, then why are we producing it? Just a waste of everyone's right. time. Right. Yeah. Um, on that token, for gaining insight, do you? Um, I, I took a survey myself on your uh, museum site. Um, is that mm-hmm. where you get some of your feedback on the? Um, I think it was I Perceptions user survey that came up. Yeah, so the web team has been running a user satisfaction survey for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, our website, um, I'm sure everyone will probably probably check it out. Um, our website was, uh, the back end was redeveloped in 2012. We went from a centralized system to a decentralized system on Drupal. Um, so we really opened up the um, access to anyone who wanted it really within the organization. We did a lot of training behind the scenes. Um, and, you know, five years later, there's some good things and some bad things with that model. Um, there's not a lot of oversight, um, you know, editorial control, um, mm-hmm. like giving everyone access, which is good and bad. Um, but the, I, I think it was about a month ago that we finally launched an online collection. And a lot of people are shocked that we don't, we didn't have an online collection before, but just with the history of our organization, it wasn't a focus until now. Whereas some, most museums have had a collection on for, you know, 10, 15, some 25 years, 20 years. Um, so we're really happy to get that on because up until this point, our website has really been uh, a plan your visit website. Um, you know, it doesn't really offer a lot of deep content um, uh-huh. other than the blog post. Um, there's a little bit of research content on there if you dig deeply, but m- most people go to our Visit Us pages, um, to our parking page, um, <laughs> and, and our and our buy now. Um, right. So that's our, our, that's the purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as much as we don't want that to be the purpose, that's what people go to our website for. So. Um, we're hoping that with the collections online that that'll change slightly um, mm-hmm. and, and it'll be more of a resource for people. 
um, for researchers. Um, but right now, that's that's what people are doing, and that's why we have user-generated content on the bottom of our website because we want people to see what the experience is of visiting, um, because that's what people are doing on our website. Um, about a year ago, we redeveloped the homepage, and we moved the What's On calendar right up to the top um, on the right there. Mm -hmm. And we did that because that's what people are clicking on. They wanted, they knew they were going to come next Tuesday, so they clicked on next Tuesday to see what was happening. So we made that easier for them. And right. um, the web team's been been really great at actually, you know, looking at the data, looking at what people are clicking on, and and um, you know, making updates and, and changes based on that data. Um, now you had mentioned. Uh, I know there's uh, a, a web team, and then there is there. Do you have your own social media team? Uh, there's well, there's two of us that do social full time. Oh, okay. Um, yep. So which is awesome, and uh, we have two web developers, front end developers, and then we have a manager. So that's the entire web team. Oh so wow! We're pretty, okay. Pretty pretty small team for. Uh, a museum of our size, we're the largest museum in Canada, but by U.S. standards, we're you know pretty small. Um, uh, I'd say we're more like a mid-sized uh, museum in, in the states. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have like a, and then there's a whole IT team that's not on our team and who, who handle all the back end and the servers and things like that. And then everybody else that's been um, kind of deputized to become ambassadors for for the museum, right? Yeah, that's um, so. We've done um, a lot of training with curatorial, um, a lot of training with front house team. Um, you know, really anyone that'll listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we. You know, the thing is, um, you know, I'm not a paleontologist. And I'm not a social anthropologist, so it became quickly it became apparent very quickly when I started doing social that um, you know I couldn't I couldn't answer a lot of the questions that people were asking us, and I couldn't you know respond as quickly. So one of my earlier strategies that I'm pretty proud of is really increasing the digital capacity of all of our staff. So really basically just teaching them how to tweet and how to write a good blog post and that sort of thing. Um, you know, and, and it's so important because, you know, like I said, I'm not the content expert. And, you know, now when it comes time to, you know, ask a curator day or, you know, any of those social media days, um, or if someone asks us a question, I can point them to the to the actual expert, and they can interact with that actual expert one-on-one, -on -one, um, whenever they want. So it's it's been, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty proud, and I'm pretty happy that everyone's you know bought on and and agreed to to jump in the deep end of social media. But, um, <laughs> I think it, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's um you know it's it's just it's so nice when you can connect people. You know, lots of people will say, oh, I found this weird bug in my backyard. You know what is it? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. but but I can connect them directly with the entomologist, and 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 she'll answer. And people are blown away by that. They're like, wow, thank you so much. Um, that's amazing. So yeah, um, you know, it's just uh, you know, again, and we're a public institution. You know, we're we're uh, you know, our operating budget comes partly from taxpayer dollars. So you know, it's it's almost our it's our duty to exactly. To be, accessible to to the people of our province so 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice that, that people that are true to our team is willing to be that accessible. We have some really great people on staff that, you know, just, they spend a lot of time, you know, not only out in the galleries talking to people and, you know, doing programs on the weekends and volunteering their time, you know, on top of their day jobs, but they'll also agree to, to tweet every now and again and, you know, respond to comments on Facebook from their personal accounts and things like that. So, um, you know, I'm really, um, uh, you know, I, I really value their their engagement with with what we're doing on social, and and I couldn't, you know, I definitely couldn't do it alone. So, um, I think I don't know if you included. I did a blog post on uh, on Museum ID about how we did that. Yes. Um, the, yes. The process mm-hmm. that we went through. Yeah. So. Um, on all the training to, and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So feel free to. Um, to you know, <laughs> share that with everyone and copy it and use it. And um, we're actually, I will. I, mm-hmm. yeah, we're doing. Um, we're we've done it a few times, but we're doing it again because everyone keeps asking. Um, we're doing a session on personal branding uh, oh. in a couple of weeks. Darn so, it, can't be there, but I'd love to be there for it. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we just we go over, you know, basically how, you know, your you can build a personal brand that's just as beneficial as the museum's main accounts and, you know, that sort of thing, raise your profile and, and, um, you know, how to do that and best practices and stuff like that. So that's excellent. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's an area that some people are, uh, you know, have reservations about, but I think once they get in it and they start, um, you know, doing a few posts or this or that, they see that it's really not as scary. Yeah, totally. And the analytics, I can't stress enough the analytics, um, sharing, you know, once you, you know, once you get a curator to do a blog post, you know, after mm-hmm. a week or, you know, a week or two, um, right. go into your analytics and find out how many page views they got and find out, you know, how many, how many people, you know, stuck on the page and read the whole thing and that sort of thing and share that with them. Um, yeah. We did a, you know, we did a Facebook live series last week. Um, with uh, four different curators. We did one uh, Tuesday to Friday. And, uh, you know, I just, I shared the numbers with them and they were blown away by the reach and the engagement that we got on them. And they had no idea that we could, you know, reach that many people with, you know, it took a half hour of, out of their day to to talk to us about something that they're incredibly knowledgeable about anyway. So, um, you know, to them, it's not extra work. It's just doing something a little bit differently. And, um, you know, then they can go and brag to their friends <laughs> that, hey, I was, on, yeah. I was on Facebook Live last week and I reached, you know, 30,000 people and, you know. Yeah, it's so neat. So then it just They're sharing their there. passion. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's what they do. Yeah. And, and I love that idea of, um, you know, because that's how you're building the community with that dialogue, right, yeah. with, with everyone mm-hmm. and, um having those workshops that's that's something i really want to take back to um, my museum and and as well and try to get them mm-hmm. to to know that it's, it's not just let's say the marketing department that's going to get involved with this it's, it's all of us exactly so it's, it's everyone's definitely. job yeah um, so a, re- a related question but a little bit more i guess on the side of um leading towards capturing some of the social media engagement 
Um, mm-hmm. I know you guys have thousands and thousands of followers, over 40,000 followers just on Instagram, and, mm-hmm. and maybe the, the numbers may be not so important, but is is there a way to, um, you know, for people that are already engaged with your museum to translate that into support necessarily, or is, is it is that just difficult to, like maybe you have people on there that are really involved online, but then that's about the extent of it. Um, well, I mean, we, um, we do a lot with, um, everyone calls them influencers, um, Uh but I just call them our community. (laughs) Um, so we do, (laughs) um, yeah, we do, we do a lot with, um, people in our community. Um, we, uh, we use a, a system called Nutwater, um, which is just, uh, it's basically Sprout Social. Um, that you that we do all our publishing and monitoring in and our reporting, and mm-hmm. it's great because it connects with our PR team who use it for media monitoring. So we can we can see you know when we're mentioned in blog posts and news articles and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really really powerful. But what we can also do is we can keep track of how many people, uh, how many times uh, a user or an individual will tweet at us or enter into a conversation with us or you know, share about their visit or something like that. We make a note of that. And so when we have, you know, media previews for new exhibitions, we'll reach out to those people and say, hey, we, you know, we we love what you do when you visit the museum. Would you like to come to this, Um, you know, and and do the same thing? So we give them almost Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like a, like a VIP pass. Because it's not open to the public. They get to see the exhibition first. And so we've done that for the last few years now. People, you know, people really love it. It's great because it creates so much user generated content, so much earned media. That's so much more valuable than any advertising that we can pay for ourselves. Um, Exactly. You know, if if you look at, um, you know, Colleen Dillenshire's blog posts about, you know, how valuable word of mouth is and how valuable, social media is in that word of mouth conversation. You know, everyone talks to each other on social these days. You know, word of mouth is, it's an in-person communication, but it's also online communication. So if we can do, if we're doing whatever we can to, you know, get our community to share what's happening at the museum with their networks, they're going to believe them that it's an awesome experience more than they're going to believe us. So we, we do that on a regular basis. Every media preview, we invite anywhere from, and uh, 20 um, people from our community come in and cover that. Um, we also, we did um, some special tours for our community members where we would bring them in uh, in off hours, which was really fun to see people um, in the museum after we closed. People love it. People love yeah, that. People, yeah, people love that stuff. And, and it was great because, you know, some of the people were genuine photographers, so they were taking amazing photography oh, of the museum. Nice. And they were happy to share with us. So we were getting, you know, 10 or Bonus. 15 photographers, <laughs> yeah, around the museum taking wonderful shots. And we're like, hey, if you want, share it with me. I'll put it on our blog, mm-hmm. you know, and, and raise your profile and also let us use your photos. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it's it's a win-win-win situation. You know, our, our, our community gets to see really great photos of the museum. The photographers get, you know, a cool experience, get access, and then we get to use the photos um you know, on the website. So, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. Um, you know, and, and for that, that's value for us. 
Um, it's that long-term relationship that we build with people. Um, it's not necessarily the end game isn't necessarily a ticket sale or a membership for us. It's mm-hmm. more that advocacy that we get um, by creating those relationships and having that long-term uh, relationship with someone where we know we can go back to them year after year and, and engage them in a way that um, has benefit for, for all involved. Excellent. Yes, I I agree with you wholeheartedly, and those are mm-hmm. wonderful ideas on how to bring people in that way. So mm-hmm. I, I will learn from this. Thank you very much for for that advice, and I'm sure all of my classmates as well are, you know, going to listen mm-hmm. to this and take I mean, notes. <laughs> we can talk. We can talk ticket sales if you if you want. I no, mean, no, there, it's there, yeah. There are. Like there are ways, if you look in your Google Analytics, there are ways to to track. You know, you can track traffic sources, where people are coming from, if they're coming from Facebook or Twitter or wherever. Um, And if you have full control of your ticketing, like we we use a third-party service to run our ticketing. So we can track up until they get to um, right before they, they hit the purchase button. But once we once they hit purchase, they get taken off our site to a third party site, mm-hmm. and we don't know if they actually completed that transaction. But a lot of museums have full access to that data, yeah. so they can tell exactly how many conversions they're getting from social. And I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that it's it's greater than you think it is. Um, you know, we have 20% of our ticket sales happen online. That's all ticket sales over a year. We get 1.3 million visitors um, last mm-hmm. year. So 20% of those tickets were sold online, which um, you know I think is a, a pretty good number. Um, and that increased when we um, launched our mobile site a few years ago. We made it way easier for people to do it on their phones while they're standing in a long lineup. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's done the Starbucks app where you right. know, get in a long lineup and then you can you can skip it by by doing the mobile order. Same idea with us, um, and uh, you know, so we we know that there is activity there. We know that people are doing it, um, but it's just making sure that senior management knows, um, you know, the percentages and and how often that's happening. Um, and it's just it's just that's all part of this side of the museum. Is a lot of people think that the work that you do online doesn't really have a, an impact on the organization, but it actually does. And the key is is your analytics, is making sure that you're able to articulate those, that you're able to make a case for yourself and your you know in your department, and and be able to at the drop of a hat say last month we engaged this many people and this was the this was the result. Um, right. You know, because um, a lot of people, yeah, like I said, they don't think it's it's real that it doesn't have an impact, but it it does. It has a crazy impact. No, absolutely. We we um, at the museum where I work at the Pacific Aviation Museum, we are just now getting into online ticketing, and before mm-hmm. that we didn't, and we didn't realize that it was actually um, an area that needed to be addressed, and only because there was a study done that showed that the ticket sales were coming from other sources and other companies that were selling the tickets. Right. Um, they yeah. they actually start doing that, but. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I know that I've got to wrap it up with you, and I've I've um, appreciate all the time I've taken away from also your family. So thank <laughs> your family okay. no for problem. your lovely family. Um, I just I have will. one sure. last question for you, and mm-hmm. that is, um, 
do you have any other takeaways as a former student of the museum studies program here at um, at our university at Johns Hopkins uh, to oh. give us as we are on our our journey that yes. you've already completed? <laughs> Man, what a what a I can't say enough good things about the program. It was such an amazing experience. I was really lucky because I did my on-site seminar in London. Um, I did my internship over in London as well. So, um, you know, it was just, and, and being able to learn from, uh, you know, people that have the academic background, but also the the practical professional background um, was just, it, it was incredible to learn from people that were practitioners, but also had that, that background in theory. Um, so I would say for students that are in the program now to, to soak up as much as you can um, to really take the time to to do the readings and, and to engage with your fellow students and also your professors. Um, they're a wealth of knowledge. They've been in the industry, most of them, for, for a long time. They know, you know, like I said with Dana earlier, she's been around since um, it all started. So, um, you know, her, her expertise and the expertise of her professors is, is so, so valuable. Um, and also, uh, you know, I think... Um, Lower Talon, who's the, the chief digital officer at the at the Met, said, um, you know, there's so many doors that we don't even know are there yet. It's up to you to open them and make that make that opportunity for yourself. Um, you know, when I started in the program, my job didn't exist, and by the time I was done in the program, it existed, and I got it because I was in this program um, because I was I started doing social before it was an actual job. Um, from the classes I was taking and, and from the, the knowledge that I gained while I was in the program. So, um, you know, I think I think that for me it's just um, soak it up, um, <laughs> you know, uh, talk to everyone. Um, and, you know, when you're doing your, your big projects for your classes, I'm assuming that's what you still do. Um, right. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so when you're doing your final project, um, make it something practical that you can – deliver to a museum um, uh, and say, hey, I, I solved one, I solved a problem. Here's here's what you need to do in this regard. Um, you know, one of the first night projects I did was develop a content strategy for an iPhone app. And again, this was, you know, 2010. So, uh, you know, not a lot of museums had them. There's only maybe a handful um, at the time. So, you know, I know that my, our senior managers were asking, how do we get an app? What do we do? Where do we, you know, where do we go? And so I said, here, here's what you need to do. And then we actually deployed one about six or eight months later um, oh, based nice. on that content strategy. So if you, if there's a way, even if you don't work at a museum, if you're just, if you're doing this to, to break into the industry, um, you know, if there's a museum in town, you know, become involved with them and, and learn, you know, um, how you can, again, create that door and open it yourself. Right, you never know where things will lead. So, exactly. Yeah, thank you so much, Ryan. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you, and I'm going to continue to follow you on all your different um, platforms that you're, uh, awesome. that you're on. I, I appreciate you reaching out to me, Elizabeth. It was great chatting with you as well, and I'm always happy to, um, you know, talk to talk to JHU students. Great. Thank you so much. Anytime.